Hi, I'm Lanny. And I'm Judd. And this is the world as it is today. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a month you said already. I can't believe that. I think it's not been a month. I think I just said that to get you down here. Oh yeah. Well, that's easy to do. <laughs> it's a, I think it's been, it's more than two weeks. I think it's been three, three weeks or maybe even more than three weeks, but yeah, here we are again. It's October. Mm-hmm. Spooky season. Spooky season. <laughs> I watched day of the dead last night. It was awesome. I caught the end of it with you and it was awesome. It was a, uh, it was a, is this an appropriate venue to talk about? stupid horror movies sure because it's not stupid yeah it's it not is a, it, it is, is stupid film. but yeah the, what we were discussing i think is it's part of the original original george romero series of the dead movies starting with night of the living dead dawn of the dead and then finally day of the dead i had only watched it once a long time ago and it has always been the one that i say man it had some of the best gore effects but it was boring i watched it again like 20 years later. And I'm like, man, that's probably the best of the Romeros. It was a thinker. It was about more than just this onset of, of surprise of zombie invasion where it just gets started in your, in survival mode. It was after it had been going on for a long time. What, how would humans be dealing with that um, and trying to come back from it? There were 12 living actors in the plain living people yeah. in, in the movie. Another, you know, a couple hundred <laughs> zombies, but it's throughout the movie. They're discussing whether or not they're the final people. Yeah. And they're in a dumb. They're in one of the domes, deep underground military bases. Oh, nice. Um, and the thing was really filmed in an old mine, which I don't think I appreciated at all the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not a set. It's 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 actually underground. And um. There's this, there's like a military faction and then a scientific faction that are private people, um, private civilians. And um, there's a rift between the, between the, well, there's three factions, really. There's the military people, there's the scientific community who are trying to study the dead and figure out what's going on. And then there are like these two other guys, transportation guy and uh, radio communications guy. And those dudes are against everybody because they think this is all a fucking waste of time and that they need to get out of here yeah and go and try and live a peaceful life and there's a speech that is just oh my god it was like the it was some of the best dialogue like um i need to get that audio and cut it and save it as something to listen to over and over again because the guy goes on we're down in this military base and i've gone through this whole place and i found all these records of all the earthquakes of all the all the natural disasters that have happened. And we've all, we've been like, we're it's relics of us trying to figure out where we are and what we're doing. But yet we still never figured out why the stars are in the places they're in, in the sky. And maybe this is the creator's way of, of telling us we're doing it wrong. And here we are in the apocalypse essentially. And you guys are trying to study it. You guys are trying to document it. Like, we need to go. We need to go. We need to live life as humans because that's what we are. And I don't know the whole thing. The reason I probably didn't like it before is it's a lot of dialogue. Some heavy gore. You're a less talk, more splatter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, that it, but it, but it's dialogue heavy. And I think it just, I, I followed it the first time, but I didn't care. And now all of a sudden it's like, damn, this movie really speaks to me, man. Who who does the special effects? Is that, <clears throat> is that Savini? Yep, Tom Savini. Yeah. 
Tom Savini's possibly best stuff. Yeah. Rewatching it. And his uh, his assistant was Greg Nicotero, hmm. who went on to make The Walking Dead. He did the special effects for Walking Dead, yes. Which, debatably, watching this again, too, like this, uh, Walking Dead is based on this movie. Walking Dead comic books would probably have been based on that movie. Because yeah. it's taking place deep into the apocalypse. Yeah. I don't know about, I never read the comic books. Um but the beginning of the show, it's kind of the beginning of the zombie apocalypse or whatever. But the whole, the entirety of the show is just them continuing on during yeah. that, living life during this. And and it shows the different factions of people and how they don't get along. I mean, it's like they different, took the, different people trying to rise to control. They took the, the template of this 90 minute movie and they turned it into it was all what are we at 15 seasons of 10 episodes each and like three an hour long three each. or four different <laughs> spin-offs holy mother good god hundreds, stop already they've put out hundreds and hundreds of hours they ruined it it's like something that i would have wanted to finish like we were i was kind of anti it initially because we're big zombie fans and purists but that seeing greg nicotero's name did spark interest Mm-hmm. And then eventually, probably when they were on their third or fourth season, we started from yep. the first season when it was like on Netflix, finally free or whatever, free mm-hmm. to us. Free to, free to our already existing yeah. stuff. Um, and you're paying with your soul and your mind. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if the product's but, free, you're... But, you know, I remember that time. I think we had a, a brand new baby that was sleeping a lot, but we had to be home and it was, you know, fall or winter. And we started that and it was actually enjoyable for three couple seasons. Now it's like, I want to finish it just to see that it's done, but I don't want to watch the last. I, I think we've, we've got two seasons that are out that we haven't seen yet. God, I mean, it's just, it's it's like a burden to even think about. I know, about. it's like another, oh, it's like, only, Oh, only hours. two more seasons. We put in so much time watching it. There's only two more seasons. Well, okay, say that again. There's only 20 more hours. Yeah. 20 more hours. And then there's there's a new <laughs> spinoff with Daryl Dixon in Paris for some reason. Yeah. And then there's another spinoff called Fear the Walking Dead, which we had watched we, we the watched opener in the theater. We actually did. It was like, was, oh, yeah, we can go to this. That was when I really fell out of love. Yeah. With the Walking Dead, because we'd watched X number of seasons, but we didn't watch the newest one. Because uh, we were tired of it, we yeah. like we like said we're done. But then there was this event coming up where they were going to show the season finale of the newest season that we hadn't watched in the theater, and then the pr- series premiere of the spinoff Fear of the Walking Dead back to back in the theater, and we were like, "Man, that that sounds pretty cool. Like, I'd like to see that on the big screen." So in a month, yeah, we really quickly, as fast as we could, with working full time and all and of that, kids and everything, we watched um, the whole the whole season leading up to the finale. And I was a, I was not a little, I was totally burnt out on it. I know. By the time we went, we went to, the, to the, theater. the theater, but it was like, oh, it's all worth it though to go to the theater. It was like a fan club thing it was kind of fun because it was like i don't know it's kind of fun to go to like conventions and stuff like we've gone to what's the one in seattle the event crypticon and stuff the event itself was just fine yeah like if if we didn't have to put in i'll say the work yeah to to make it make sense by going it would have been fine we were some of the only not fan club people there yeah like we'd found out about it It was open to the public but it was put on by like the walking dead fan club. oh sure yeah we we just saw it because we look at the the um the regal cinema you know website or whatever to see what movies are coming out and that was one one day there and but most people were wearing the same t-shirt 
Yeah, yeah, they have fan club shirts and stuff. And, and I think the nerds. tickets to that were included with that membership or something. Yeah. So people that's... people were excited, and I think it's kind of fun to to go to events with that kind of energy, or at least I used to. Oh, and, and it was fun. I mean, it was one. It was a, an, a movie event, not just. But going by the end of it, I think we realized, like, oh, this was just a big commercial for this new series that's coming out. That's going to be another <laughs> commitment of time. And then and we're like, you want to watch it? I'm like, I don't know. I watched. Well, I remember we watched we, a few episodes. We watched it a little bit. It was kind of neat because. The society that they end up joining is a libertarian society, mm-hmm. like a former, like they were libertarians before all of this. And these people are trying to come in and put government in. Yeah. But then it was like, but that, that ends up falling apart with the strong moral push that you must have government to be able to survive. I think that's why the show bothers me as much as it does is because it always comes to, you can't do anything unless you have a strong leader over a large group of people. Yeah, I was like, no, I think you need somebody who steps up to a leader position in a small group of people that g- gains so much respect and trust that people want them to lead. Not this, not elected this like elected official like, over hundreds that's of people. That's what they push on you is that it's like elected fucking official. No, but if you had 20 people and there was one person who had that that role because everyone agreed that they're just the best one to get us organized, then that's that's then excellent. That that's awesome. Hierarchies happen naturally. No, that's absolutely in animals and in people. It's that's, like a tribal thing, you know? That's like, true. Anarchism 101 is people say, oh, then you don't believe in a hierarchy. It's like, no, definitely believe in a hierarchy. That's impossible to to avoid. Like you're confusing that with some kind of communism where everyone's equal, but even communism is everyone's equal except for a leader. Yeah. Right. I know it's stupid. And then that, yeah, that, that leader that shouldn't get leader, special treatment. And that one leader is going to have some people who surround him who also have that same level of yeah. privilege. Yeah. And, oh, wait, no, it's just a small governing body over a large group of people. Uh, not good. That's crazy. Like, yeah, I, I, I know this is different than what we wanted to talk about, but I'm kind of wanting to follow this thread for a second. Let's keep going. I'm, there, I'm we good. just watched a documentary on HBO called uh, The Way Down. Oh, yeah. And it's about a church, a Christian church in, is it Texas that they were in? Oh, no. Tennessee is a T name. It was in the South. <laughs> it was somewhere Gosh, in the South. I'm sure it wasn't Texas, but I can't remember. I can't remember. I just always assume it's Texas because that's the only <laughs> Southern place I'd know. Like somewhere else. It's like the one. Um, anyway, this uh there was this church was was a Christian church. The one of the higher-up ladies who run it with her husband started a program called Way Down. Yeah, way as in W-E. W-E-I-G-H, uh, weigh, yeah. like how much you weigh. Uh-huh. And she was all about God helping people with weight loss and that people who are thin were were favored by God and all of that. And then it escalates to her, like, divorcing her husband and taking over the church with, with her kids who were, you know, teenagers and then adults. And her hair progressively getting larger. It's, <laughs> it's worth the on. comedy aspect of seeing this woman's hair and makeup. It's like, okay, at first you're like, this has to yeah, be in 1984. Yeah. It felt like it was like it went from the 80s into the to the early 90s. No, the documentary went until people were wearing masks. It was yeah. like into it was in two th- after 2000 like, when her heart really, started to get the big. information that was relevant to it didn't start until like mid 90s. It didn't really take off till mid zeros and yeah. and the bulk of what 
like it blowing up was like 2021. It yeah. was like, holy I shit. I cannot believe that she looks like, like that. that. That's insane. Nobody, nobody said to you makeup. anything? No, no one told her like, well, <laughs> you should pull it back. It makes you look nuts. And then she's like giving interviews about why her church is in a cult. And she looks like that. I'm like, what are you doing? But you know, I don't know. People do whatever they want. It's fine. But um, her hair was really large. It reminds me like the Tammy Faye Baker stuff from when yep. we were kids. You know, her crying with freaking eyeliner, whatever, it, mascara it, smeared all over her like face. She looks Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah, yeah, it was just like too much makeup, too much hair. And she was this tiny, skinny little person with like big, crazy clothes and just like flaunting wealth and like running this church. And it's just like weird what happens to these people. Like, I almost don't want to spoil it for people. But there, there's this horrible tragedy. And the way the documentary ends is really unsatisfying. Like, yes. it doesn't give any conclusion. It feels like the documentary was happening. A big tragedy happened that changed what the whole documentary would mean or be about. Kind of seems like. And then and they just kind of like tried to wrap it up. And like, it didn't, there wasn't enough time that had passed from that tragedy to actually see what happened. The documentary overall, and, and it's a docu-series, not a documentary. Okay. Yeah. It's like what? Six four, episodes? Four to six episodes, something like that. Uh clocking in it under an hour each, but not much. Um, it would have probably been way better if it had been from the eighties and into the nineties and blowing up around 2000, mm-hmm. because then we would have some distance from it and we could like sort some stuff. Yeah. And out. see what would have happened with, but this instead it's after. just all about this church and then how like all the leaders died. And there's just like this really abrupt ending and it's like, what the heck? Anyway, but that one, the lady would preach often about how authority was the most important thing in your life. Yeah. And the way she said it was literally those words that I just said. And I'm like, this documentary is really triggering to me. I need a safe space. Which I'm, I'm open to like, I don't care if you want to think that the way to God, the way to Jesus, the way to, to, to a better way of life is through weight loss. Like that that's fine okay whatever i don't care but that authority aspect translated into how they treated children and children that were grew up in this church are fucked up yeah and there were a lot of people speaking about how it wasn't good but then there was a lot of people that we didn't hear from that probably there was some interesting stuff with like a kid who died a kid who died yeah and they think they say he was the other people say he wasn't but the parents went to prison and there was like in other instances and lots of, of, of course, lots of eating disorders in the congregation because women were, were starving themselves. It's notable that like, I think every single person who's out of the, who like left like some, a period of time ago, they're all, all obese. Yeah. It's interesting to, to see that actually this study, because it's like this, this restrictive low fat kind of dieting culture and then how that people rebound from that when they, when, when time goes by, take all that poison that we say people shouldn't eat. Right. Or whatever we say. I don't know. I don't care. What I say people that really I eat, try to avoid we, that we think is bad yeah. for people. Um, they, they only eat that stuff, mm-hmm. but they fast, but they then also they, like, don't eat very much, of but it. they're supposed to like never eat. Yeah. It's like it shows your closeness. Oh, I only to had God. two bites today. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I only had uh like one piece of wonder bread with margarine spread on it today. And yeah. Like, Yay. <laughs> you, you know, know, I think I should start a church of nourishment and talk about how to like eat the smallest amount possible with the most amount of nutrients, like most from the earth. People just like eating raw beef liver out of an animal, like <laughs> warm and steaming. <laughs> but you know. No, that's the that doesn't sell. And I'm not making my hair big. That seems like a lot of effort. That is way we can't afford the hairspray. 
<laughs> that lady had a lot of Aquanet happening, and she would, uh, and probably not. Is that even a thing? Aquanet was the don't know Aquanet was the brand of aerosol hairspray in oh, the okay. in the late eighties, early nineties. That was really important. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Of. I just and and it was like if you wanted to make your hair, your bangs big, you're getting Aquanet like extra strength hold or whatever. <laughs> and it was the cheap stuff too. That's not. She probably didn't even use Aquanet because she's rich and and it was yeah, huge hair that I can picture her in a windstorm and it's just like. Uh, like not moving maybe not or like maybe it it's blow. doing weird stuff and making it animal work shape. like a sail and <laughs> she was weighed, so skinny she weighed 90 pounds yeah whatever. it was really sad because not that was there was more than one child death in this documentary like her daughter's bait infant dies and like you see the daughter and you're like holy shit she is like emaciated she's like karen carpenter style like she was like like holocaust victim yeah skinny and skeletal like like hollow cheeks and and dark circles under the eyes like totally malnourished and if you're trying to feed a baby and then like diet a baby like that's scary like how did no one ever investigated that and how traumatizing it was but the way they dealt with death and like difficult things was to just wash over it because it didn't fit their narrative of uh saying that they were like the chosen people and god would would give them all the great things because if they were doing these things if you're doing everything right and then your baby dies well and that's why it was such a dissatisfying ending is because it's still going on the church is still happening and they kind of like yeah and everybody in the church is ignoring that all the leaders died yeah, like they they're like they had a funeral and then that's that. Like but, let's just but, move did on. Did they even have a funeral? Did they? I don't they know. They had a wedding the day of it. Yeah, uh, that's all for, weird for, too. for for members. just somebody else. Yeah. And uh like people are talking about people from outside the church who were like, you know, friends of the family who showed up for this. They're like they knew about this tragedy that had happened. It was a plane crash, everybody died, and they're at the wedding and no one will like act like a tragedy happened like they're their best friends their their leaders in and their church not like people who knew they personally because it's not a huge congregation they knew these people yeah they they had people outside of the congregation who like bought the program that they sold and stuff mm-hmm. but this was like the actual church so they went to church together they were all personally involved with all what was it six or seven people that died seven and, i think yeah and the family members that were there were like, we didn't want to bring it up because we thought that maybe they didn't know and it yeah. would be super inappropriate, but they all knew. Everybody and, knew and, and they were just not talking about it. It was part it. of the church's thing. If if something doesn't fit your narrative, which they constantly drove in, if bad things happen to you, it's because you're a sinner. Yeah. So to say our leaders. They had donuts on the plane sinners. before it crashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's, and that's what did, that's what did it. Uh, if to say that they were all leaders would be to like, say that, uh, that all our leaders were sinners would be to say that everything's been wrong up to this point and we need to restructure, but instead they just like moved forward as though it didn't happen. And now we just have new leadership and uh, it's all that's, so that's why weird. this will be more interesting in 10 years when we see what happens to that. Oh, there was an aspect of this that was barely, barely talked about that. I don't even know if you noticed that was barely mentioned and you might have been like falling asleep when when i was watching this part it was pretty boring okay and there was times there was there was snoring <laughs> but listen they were going on a flight to florida do you remember what for not it was like a patriot convention oh okay this was like a tea party thing or something you know maybe that is too late for it's tea party way too late but it was party. this was cuz this was this post 2020 yeah and they were going to some kind of a a Republican type convention thing in Florida. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it's just weird. Yeah. It just seems weird. There's like a conspiracy here that beyond the one they're handing us that well, I can't see. Again. Shit. It, my mind watches this and I'm like, they didn't die. Yeah. Right. Or <laughs> they know, just like, like they're in hiding somewhere because they were doing something really they bad. They either didn't die or they were killed. Yeah. Like that's how I like, I that's why again, uh, there are multiple reasons that I think it would be more interesting to examine this 10 years after. I know. Right. I, I'm sure this is just too much gold. They're, they're going to make another documentary about it. Later. Oh yeah. They know that I'm sitting here saying this and, and hopefully it'll be just a movie length one. That's two hours and, and just give it to us instead of stringing it out. No, it'll be 10. They don't do that anymore. Episodes. Every doc, good documentary is like, yeah, 10, at least 10, 10 hours. It's like really guys. Cause a lot of this was filler and like dramatic panning. And it's just to like, keep, more of our attention over time. it's to pacify us i mean that's what it all comes down to all the netflix all the fucking tv oh. smartphones yeah it stops us from being able to have our own thoughts so that we can like i i don't mind dedicating some hours to paying attention to this this church it's it's interesting i want to know is there a there there <laughs> yeah know, or whatever yeah. but instead i'm strung on for uh, however many episodes it was, that's how many hours it was. And it's like, by the end, I'm going, come on, tell me what's going on. And then it like kind of doesn't. Kind of doesn't. Yeah, because you know? there's not, well, I think because real life doesn't wrap it all up for you. It still leaves it for you to figure it out and watch it and observe it and see how you feel about it. But a documentary, it, the way they set out is that they're going to tell you all about it from their point of view, right? Mm-hmm. This one doesn't really wrap that point of view up. Okay, so I got the I got the segue. Here. Okay, because I thought I did too. Go uh, <laughs> because that's why what we wanted to talk about was uh, getting stuck on projects. Yeah, and that right there, that pacification could be a major factor in how you can get stuck in a project. Well, that's exactly what I was going to segue. So we've been we've been talking about you know homesteading is our focus, homemaking is our focus, and entrepreneurial pursuits. Look at I said Are that those pretty real good. words. I no. think so. <laughs> I said it with like a douchey mouth, so yeah, it yeah. sounded funny. But yes, uh, yeah, just trying to to grow a business, trying to to run a homestead, trying to you know benefit our family in different ways, and and make what we use instead of buying it. That kind of stuff takes a lot of time. And a lot of people want to ask, like, you know, how do you have time for all that? Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't homeschool my kids and get all this stuff done and, and still, you know, work a day job a few days a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you can when you budget your time and it's important to you, right? Uh, but then there's there's like, there's it's hard for people because there's so many distractions, so many different ways for you to pacify yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So you could say, I'm just going to look at my phone for a second, not realize 20 minutes passed. Sure. In that 20 minutes, I fed my sourdough starter. I started some uh, some kefir. I, I finished my sauerkraut. I, I I strained my broth and then like, you know, sit down and then this, take a this break. This happens to me on a regular, somewhat regular basis. Not, not like daily necessarily, not daily, but uh I'll say, because the computer's down here in the basement, as is all of our food preservation, right? Um, and e- e- I'll, I'll say, hey, you want me to take these these cans down to the basement? You want me to take these jars of, of whatever you just can? And you say, yes, please. I appreciate that. I bring it down. I set the I set the crate full of stuff down next to the shelf. And I go, oh, you know what? Before I do that, I'm just going to check and see if I got a message on Instagram because I was trying to get, get a guest for for are we content and blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden I come back up and it's been 20 minutes and you're like, Oh, did you bring the crate back up? And I go, Oh shit. 
I don't even. Yeah. I forgot to put those things away. Yeah, I, I would say that doesn't happen all the time, but it it is that it, it has happens. happened it and happens. It, it will happen again. And it, how much more would that happen if I had it in my pocket? Sure, you know. And so there's there's this idea of like sometimes when when you need to do something, it can seem overwhelming for whatever reason, and so you put it off. And I see a pattern of if you put something off that seems like you can't see the path to the conclusion of, and then you know it might be hard, or you might struggle through it because it's the first time you've done it, or whatever reason, you set that aside, it only gets harder to start that project the more time goes by. Just just to start it, but it's not actually any harder. No, it's not. So our example of that recently was the garden bed, right? Yeah. So we expanded our garden early in spring with the intention of adding new beds. And the way we've done our beds before is to remove fallen trees from the forest and cut them to size to to make our frames for our beds with cedar wood, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so this year we were going to do that. And it wasn't a priority because I felt like I had planted plenty of stuff in our beds last year, but I, I wanted it done. And you knew a tree. So tell you tell your part here. So, uh, well, first, um, it does go back farther in time. But that at that moment when we expanded the garden, that was right when my schedule changed. And I suddenly had more, I'll say, free time. More uh, home, more home, home time, work, rather. From home time. Uh, as opposed to matrix job time. Yeah. And uh, the first thing I, one of the very first things I did in those first few days was uh, redid the fencing for our, for our garden space expanded it way out. So we had room for multiple new beds, Uh, but this is spring. And it was like, so now I don't think I should put my energy into building a new bed that we're, it's not going to be very ideal this year. Yeah. Like I really, that's more of an end of the season thing to build the bed. And part of it was also like our compost wasn't ready and I didn't want to plant into it right away. It was like a lot. There was like, because always with a project, there seems to be kind of other things that need to happen to make the thing happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's go farther back in time by a full year. Okay. A full year, maybe a little bit more than a full year. A uh, 60-foot section of a tree, of a cedar tree, fell down. It was uh, at a split on a, you know, like a 100-plus foot tree. Uh, But it was way up high, about 50 feet high. And then it went another 50 feet where it split out. And for whatever reason, that, that caught wind, that something something happened and that whole thing came down and i saw it and i was like oh man that's perfect it's so straight like that's going to be that's going to be a garden bed i can see it i saw it the the day after it happened and i did work around it for other purposes i've i've not i've been in that section of the woods even though it's really far away it's about as far within the woods as you can get from our garden um as you can get uh and um but it's there i'm i'm over there i'm i'm there nearly daily certainly weekly uh for for that entire period of time and i kind of have this half ass plan in my head of how i'm going to do it i'm going to bucket like this bucket I mean i i don't think it someone who works in the um logging industry, industry would be say like bu- uh like- dude, that thing is like tiny you don't yeah. buck a little thing like that uh, I cut the branches off. I would, I had this plan to cut all the little branches off of it mm-hmm. and um, then like figure out how long I wanted it, cut it into sections and drag it back. 
um, or that wasn't quite it and get it back. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't think out all the steps and, but it was there. It was in the back. It was a back burner. I wasn't in a hurry to do it because we didn't have garden space. Um, this would have been me making logs and bringing them back up by the house to stack up somewhere, which might under different circumstances had the other direction gone. Instead of working less in the matrix, I ended up doubling my time in the matrix and having zero time here. I would have put all that work in just to have them rot over here, Mm -hmm. Um, which seems like a waste of time. So I never did it. I never even entertained the idea of doing it. I was waiting for the time that I needed to. Well, then we expanded the garden. And then another half a year goes by. The whole season pretty much goes by. And I, I've i got it in my head. I need to do that now. And as it got closer, I was going, man, I don't have a very good path to pull. Because originally I was thinking I would pull the entire like 60-foot length out. Mm-hmm. And I would get it here, look at where it is, and cut it up here. But you would use the tractor to drag it out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then as I was getting closer, I was going, I don't think I can drag this that far through the winding paths like it's gonna it's just not gonna work um then i put it off and keep keep going through i have plenty to do (laughs) you know i have plenty i have plenty of docuseries to watch now that wasn't the thing that was stopping it uh but it could have been for for different lifestyles right but i had plenty of work to do in the existing garden you know, I already knew we weren't doing the beds. We're putting it off for a few more months. And then the time comes and I'm out there and I'm like, okay, that is too long. I can't get that back. Uh, maybe if I figure out the length I want them to be, which I decided on 20 feet, um, that'll work. And then uh, that, there was like two days of, of looking at it in a row before the third day was the day I was going to do it. And I just did it and I was done. 20 minutes later. It was so fast. It was this the same thing as when we wanted to remove one of the we talked over and over again for like a year of if we were going to remove these rhododendrons and we kept going back and forth and you're like, I don't know, it might be hard. Maybe I should approach it this way. Should I just cut it with a chainsaw? No, I'm going to try to pull it out with a um with a chain. And then you went outside and you got the tractor started. And by the time I looked out the window, you were driving away with this and thing I, and, and I all I the put, whole root I pushed ball. it with the bucket and it lifted up the roots on one side and I pulled back. I dug that down. I made the slightest hole and pulled up the entire root system. Use that chain that I'd brought out to tie it to the, to, to the, the bucket, to the bucket so that I could, cause it was real awkward shaped. It didn't like sit in there and I drove it over and it's done. So it's funny uh, because <laughs> that, that can in your head can become this big problem. And like, you're not going to know until you just start doing it. But then like, if you don't start, you don't ever know. And then it is a big problem in your head. Yeah. So it is a big problem, period. So that's why this topic came up was I did that tree, right? I, I dragged those, those portions back and I had it, I said 20 minutes, but, uh, by two o'clock in the afternoon, I had it completely set. Yeah. Like completely like, set. You mean the bed was finished? The bed was finished yeah. without compost in it. Right. You but had cardboard down. You had the four sides. I had the four sides. I'd, I'd squared it up 
we I've looked at it from distances. And so not only dragging it out of the forest, but cutting it to the proper length and placing it in the garden and yeah. all of that. Yes. Um, and you know, starting at eight in the morning or whatever, you know, it was, it was, it was a project. Actually, you started kind of late. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever the case. Anyway, it was, it, it was, was a couple of hours of work and it was not. And that's what brought this subject to mind was because we did, I did not in any way get stuck with this. Right. But the reason that I'd spent all this time describing the length of time it took to get to that moment where the bed was in there is because all those things can really stack up in your mind. And I could see under different circumstances, me not having done that that day. Yeah. Because I, because there's just too many factors that I don't understand. (laughs) I just, I don't see the plan and I don't want to fuck anything up. You could pull that tree out of the woods, but instead you go on your phone. <laughs> I go on my phone. <laughs> you just don't do it. Well, um, I, yeah. Well, go. And, and um, I, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go there. Um, it reminds me a lot of a close family member I have who is a hoarder mm-hmm. um, and not, not the cool kind of hoarder that you hear about all the time. No, I don't know. <laughs> when that, they like that, collect something cool. Yeah. People call me a hoarder sometimes because I have. Because I have like tons of records. Oh yeah, people used to like when that. I had a lot of vinyl or when I had and VHS tapes. People would say that I'm a collector. Yeah, they were all hoarder. organized and like on shelves and stuff. And my family I... member would be glad to call me a hoarder. And say <laughs> I'm, I'm no better. Than Our them. house is so not cluttered though, like now. But not the cool kind of hoarder that you that you want to think of, but the uncool kind that you see on TV. <laughs> garbage and old stuff. It's, and it's garbage and it's rot it's, and cat feces. It's a sad. Uh, visual of the psychosis that this person goes through with laziness and um, um, I don't know, a dozen different issues. And I have helped this family member multiple times dig themselves out of a pit of despair and terrible, I want to say choices. I feel like it's not even a choice. They're just existing. The choice, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Like yes, it's, it, it's, it's like, sorry to quote Rush. <laughs> I'm not Canadian, but to like, to like just choose not to do something is to choose to. It's, it absolutely is. It's, um, you know, it, it, it just, it is um, action. A non-action is still a, a, a choice of action. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, I don't know, but it, um, uh, I know from working personally with this close family member that everything that goes on in that house is out of being stuck. Always. They're always stuck. Um, It is. And it's very sad. And I I wish I could fix it, but I've had to, I have to distance myself from that person because it, all it does is make them really, really hate me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's like, oh, you know, because I, I come, you know, this is a long, long time ago, like before we were married, um, that I'm like, hey, can I help you get clean? Uh, get clean. It makes it sound like a junky thing. It is it's kind border of border lines thing. on it. But yeah, um, how, can I help you clean up? Can I help you clean up? And they're like, ah, I don't know. There's too much to do. And I'm like, well, let's start here. There's a mountain of laundry in your living room on the floor. Like, can I just move this can i start doing your laundry can i do your laundry and it's like well okay so what i do i fuck up according to them i move it all out of there exposing tons of animal feces and just just 
disgusting ass shit because these people have pets, right? Um, and it's, I mean, it's 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 like uh, pre-pandemic mask worthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, of course, I didn't do that. You know, but um, you know, I can see someone being concerned like that. Yeah. Um, and I start doing the laundry, and I'm kicked out of the house within minutes of doing this because I just exposed all this nasty ass shit. And now they can't like function in their house. Well, the thing was, is you moved clean laundry. Cause it was clean. They was said they clean. had already washed that. The stuff on top is clean. That where I found all that animal feces was where they all got their clean clothes from on a daily basis, but it was from the top of it. And now by me moving it all, it was all mixed together. And now there was no laundry. <laughs> so with that was then, okay, well, let's wash clothes and then put them away. Well, I can't because the dresser's broken. Okay, well, we'll get you a new dresser and we assemble you a new dresser. And then we put some clothes in there. It's like, well, now these other clothes won't fit in there. It's always like this, this, I need to do this, but there's these 15 other things that are stopping me from it. Mm-hmm. And there are people I think that in life, even that don't have a problem like you're describing, that stop themselves from doing anything above and beyond just going to work and watching TV. Mm-hmm. They stop themselves because anything that seems like a cool idea, all they hear is of 15 different reasons why it won't work. Yeah. It's this self-sabotage before you even try or get started. And a lot of that is learned behavior because that's a lot of what parents do to their kids. I can't wash dishes because the dishwasher is full. I can't unload the dishwasher because the cupboards are empty and have been for a long time and there's spiders nests in there. So I need to, I need to clean the cupboards before I I can't do that because I need to use poison to spray in there. And there's dishes under there, which I'm currently using because I'm using the top of these ones. Yes. Uh, And you know, like, and it's, I mean, And, and it's interesting because the, when you get to that point of all these excuses for not fixing the problem, you work within the problem in a really difficult way. Mm -hmm. So your daily life is actually really hard, super hard because you're, you're, it's all these workarounds to not fix a problem. You're washing one dish at a time in three inches of space under a full sink. Or you stop using dishes and you're only using paper stuff, right. but you're not good at taking garbage out. So you have paper plates all over your house and, 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 and it plastic color. constantly compounds on itself. Right. And it's, oh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to me because these are family members that I'm very specifically like visualizing and talking about right now what we've been talking about this is like chore stacking or task stacking or problem stacking where it's like we needed to make the i want a new garden bed but we can't put the bed in until we expand the garden so that log stays in the forest then we expand the garden so we can bring the log but to get the log here it we don't need to do that yet because our compost isn't ready we need to get the compost ready and you know what i mean like so it's like even if we were letting these stack it wouldn't be the same problem it wouldn't be like a health hazard and no 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 all the the things no that's that's the most important thing in my life is that i keep the basic bare minimum stuff done. We wash our dishes. We have sanitary areas and the surfaces in our home aren't clutter free. So let's give a hypothetical of a, like what, cause m- my example with the tree, that wasn't me actually being stuck. Uh, I can't think of any really good examples because we're really good at like actually fucking moving forward on things. But let's imagine this. You buy a rundown homestead. You're, 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 you you've been living in the city and you say, I'm going to go live a real life or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go live a homesteading life. That's what I want to 
go do. So you so you manage to to get a loan and get a small three acre rundown farm. And you go, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get chickens. But then you evaluate the structures that are there and you decide, no, I need to build a chicken coop. Okay. I need to get lumber. I don't have money. I just bought a fucking house. Um, Okay. Well, there's tons of lumber here. I just have to do, I just have to, to salvage it. Right. Well, to do that, I need to get rid of the tall grass that's surrounding that. I don't have a, a weed eater. So uh, I guess to do that, I need to go out there and just start ripping grass out of the ground with my, with my hands. God, that do- sure doesn't sound like homesteading. That just sounds stupid. Uh, you know what? There's a really cool docuseries called The Way Down on TV. I think I'd rather watch <laughs> No, there's that. a really cute, cool documentary called The Biggest Little Farm because it's all about homesteading. So maybe I'll learn something from them. Oh, you just need to write a bunch of um, grants and like get a bunch yeah. of free money to, to get I a huge property and hire money. other people to do it for you. I just you. <laughs> need lots of money to do this. And then I'll get some chickens. Yeah, and then I'll get, some, oh, then I'll get the chicks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> when you get the money, you get the chicks. First, you get the property. Then you get the money. Then (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Um, Exactly. uh, Yeah. Um, So with what I just painted now, imagine that two years go by and you still don't have chickens. Like I just, instead of me rambling forever on a hypothetical, fill in the blanks. Bam. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Another type of version would be where you've been an established homestead for 20 years for generations, something like that. You have things that you need to do, but there's just like, there's just too many obstacles in your way and you need to like start somewhere. And that starting somewhere feels lame. You're learning how to play. Here we go. You're learning how to play drums. You decide I've never picked up drumsticks in my life. I'm going to buy some drumsticks and a drum and I'm going to take a lesson. And you go to the lesson and the guy's like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to go, Bam, 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 bam. And do that until you're really good at keeping that consistent. And you're like, dude, I want to be a drummer. I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want to have chickens. I don't want to go out and wear gloves and be ripping six foot high grass out of the ground with my hands. Everything about that's not what homesteading is, right? Um. But as a drummer, you know that you do need to start by just keeping a rhythm. Yeah, you need to just learn how to be you able get to so do comfortable that. holding the sticks and and where where the different you know where to hit on the drum head and all of that. Um. So it's like and and if you want to be if you want to be Tommy Aldridge from Quiet Riot someday, uh, you're gonna need one to. Arm. No, that's the Def Leppard. That sucks. He doesn't even have two arms. Um, <laughs> Tommy Aldridge is possibly the greatest drummer of all time. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. No. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that fun fact. Okay. All right. Go pull out Diary of a Madman by Ozzy Osbourne and you'll hear what I'm talking about. Oh, he's on that too. He's on that one. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's the only Ozzy album. I just well, roll well, my eyes when I hear Quiet Right. So. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he, he really is a good drummer. He's probably not the greatest of all time, but he's overlooked. Uh, but, um, you know, getting out there and, um, (laughs) getting out there and, and just ripping that grass out with your hands. That's what I did. 
That's literally what I did, except it wasn't grass. I wish it was grass. I was doing that with blackberries. You had a pair of like tiny hand clippers and some gloves. And that was that. And that was that. And I did that until I realized I needed to rearrange my time preference and priorities and get a weed eater. Yeah. And but then you I did it to the, the point where you could open the outbuilding. So you had a place to store the weed eater you were going to buy. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yes. Yeah, see, that's, there's the incrementalism that's so important here is I got to where I had a space that I could put a tool and then I went and bought the tool, mm-hmm. one tool. I didn't go buy a weed eater and a chainsaw and a tractor. And we you got know, those one like, at a time and, and, and that's, together. And it's not just, it is largely because, but it's not just because we're poor. <laughs> we, it's largely. Yeah. Maybe if we were rich, we wouldn't think like, like this, you know, and we would just go get a whole bunch of new equipment. I, I, we could have, we if, wouldn't yeah, if we appreciate were rich, it as much or take care of it as well. And we could have had a trailer come and drop off lawnmowers, all the, all the stuff, everything that I have to do. Yeah. If we would have got just Kubota to bring us a tractor with all of the, uh, you know, implements, uh, implements. I was like, accoutrements, <laughs> implements, <laughs> um, uh, implements and, uh, you know, a couple chainsaws for different tasks and some, a weed eater and one of those fancier weed eaters and a leaf blower or whatever. Instead, wood I'm, here. I'm, on a wood I'm here and I, I just had a, I, I want to say beautiful reminder of I did a, a photo dump from our old computer where I saved all the pictures I took before we started here. I came and I photographed everything. I could have gotten stuck right there just taking photographs. Yeah, I just took forward. a lot of pictures of how bad it looks and then I went home. <laughs> uh, and it's like, you know, I can take I like I sent you a picture that day of uh, I said, uh, this area is this area sees better days now. And it's where our A-frame chicken coop is. And like, I couldn't tell, I couldn't, couldn't understand. It was it like was. disoriented about which direction you were facing and stuff, because it's just so much bramble. It's like, there's pictures from places in our yard, which are where we go to view the mailbox and the cars driving by now where you can't, you like, it looks like you're in this weird secluded, like middle of nowhere, but now it's like, that's, that's, that's where the we're road. most. That's where yeah. we're very publicly seen. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know. Um, and those those photos are so great to look back at because just as I'm talking about, I came in and I didn't have anything. I knew I needed a lot of equipment, but I didn't know what or where or what. We weren't even living here yet. We I didn't even have pictures. a push mower or anything. There's a there's a little Hyundai in the in the. Uh, uh, driveway that was, pictures, that was the renters it, it was parked weird because the driveway was overgrowing yeah because they know, didn't, like, couldn't use the driveway for what it was for even. yeah because yeah. they didn't even drive on the driveway <laughs> well whatever they were just renters they were just people living in a house they weren't they had they had no connection to this place they weren't even keeping stuff in the garage yeah that like nothing nothing outside of the house and the basement was empty yeah too. not even the basement yeah. you know um yeah so you know no no fault to them that that was just people living their lives yeah. Um, but, uh, I took those pictures and then I started coming out here like after work every day. And, um, I would just spend a few hours with clippers and gloves. I've said it a million times on podcasts. Oh yeah. It was mother gloves and some clippers. And it's like snowshoes uphill both ways. <laughs> and as I, as I was pulling these things down, I exposed the sides of some buildings. I got some doors open and I was going, okay, now. I can see that there are two tools that I need now. One is a weed eater and one is a chainsaw. And I know what to do 
I just need to get those things. I went and bought a weed eater. It started speeding things up. I had a place to store it because I, if I bought that day one, I would have had to take it back to our old house. And like keep it in their laundry room or something. Like there's like not a lot of space here. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, the, no old place. the old place. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have the shop. Yeah. Um, but um, it, uh, it would have been more difficult, right. whatever the case. And, uh, but I, but I, I put in the, the first few days, the, uh, within a week, I had that first big tool. Within another week, I ended up not buying a chainsaw, but instead a lawnmower because it was brought to light that they were paying $1,000 a mow for this place to get mowed. Yeah. Did you get a push mower? I bought a push mower. Yes. Still use that push mower. Um. Not for the whole lawn. <laughs> no, we eventually got a riding lawnmower. But, but that see, was like yeah, that was like two years later. The riding lawnmower was a long time. Later. Long yeah. time later. So we got the tractor before we got a riding lawnmower. Oh yeah, like because we just had. I just had to prioritize. You know, like I said, we don't have a ton of money. We can't just go buy all the shit we need. Um, but if you bought property and then you first thing you did is buy a tractor and you don't have anywhere to park it and you don't know how to use it yet and you haven't cleared enough space to see where you can drive it without damaging it. It's like a waste of time. And so like you can you can go into specifics like you are and you've talked about it before as well. But like people do this at work too in different kinds of not just in homesteading, right? In in their lives in general. You look to some kind of distraction to take you away from that feeling of overwhelm that can happen when you realize you need to do something and 15 things before that need to happen to get that thing done. Mm-hmm. So if the one thing that's really important to you needs to be done has 15 things before it that needs to be done, it's super overwhelming. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, working at the auto body shop, we would get comebacks sometimes. We would have people come back because there was a problem with something that happened. A clip that wasn't put in a bumper correctly, a color that didn't match, pinstriping that didn't match, whatever. They'd come back to the shop and that would be a problem. And you would have 50 other new cars that were in the shop, 100 different parts orders that were wrong and needed reordered, all these other things to do, right? I would have to figure out how to prioritize what I was doing that day with the time that I had. You know what always came first is the comebacks. Because those were the things that were least fun to deal with. People were angry. They were already done. We were already paid. It's already finished. It sucked to have to do that. And for me, I knew I needed to do that first, or I would always continue to move that to the bottom of my stack. And the farther away from that job we were, the harder it would be to fix the problem we had. Mm-hmm. Okay. The fresher the paint is, the easier it is to get back into that. You know, the fresher the the repair is in the in the body tech's mind, the more likely he's going to remember what problem he had or what if clip it's an he needs. Hour after they picked up the car, which was four hours after they finished the job, it's going to take them ten minutes. Yeah. But they're going to go, oh, okay, here, let me just pry this open, stick this clip here, and then bam. We're done. And it's now done. fits good. Now, now run it back to the detail because I got it dirty. Yeah, clean those fingerprints off. But if you waited a month, they wouldn't remember the car. They've done a bunch since then. The clip could be discontinued. The, the insurance company is going to need to reopen it to be able to, to answer your questions if they can you know, pay for another part or whatever. If it's a bumper clip, it's possible they're going to have to pull off the whole bumper to figure out which, which clip, clip it is. Which clip it is, yes. And then they're going to break other clips when they pull the bumper off because and that's how those clips are made four clips yeah so the answer to it is always to do the most difficult thing first right and to figure out whatever it is to you need to do to make that difficult thing happen finish go away right it just needs to be done on the other hand i had another co-worker 
who was in charge of the whole place <laughs> that would <laughs> never call those people. He hated it and he didn't do it. Always went to the bottom of the stack. The top of the stack was the estimate he was writing that day. That job, the part he liked was trying to get the keys, get the customer to feel comfortable. We're leaving the car. You want to make he, that money. He was a good salesperson and he made them comfortable and he was really good at explaining the repair and he knew a lot about vehicles. Excellent. But anything that was slightly difficult would go to the bottom of his pile, whether that was a car that was currently in the shop and totally disassembled and you can't find a, a bumper absorber for that and you need the bumper absorber to go on before the bumper goes on. So you can't give the car back to the customer. He would just put that but, down. But meanwhile, they repaired the bumper. And it's painted like, the bumper. And it's like, where do you go? And now it's been on a rack. And now the bumper's on a rack. Months. And if you don't move, if you leave that bumper there, it's going to get scratched. There's no way you're going to put a you're bumper You're going to need to repair on, it. On a used, on a rack that you use every day. You're going to need to repair the bumper. You know, like it starts to stack more, more problems, right? Yeah. So the answer never is to ignore those things that are not fun. It's always to, for me, it is to do them first. So like, for instance, like, to make sure I don't ever get complete overwhelm and where I start to want to look at a screen to distract myself is to always have the basic fundamentals that keep our home running done. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I can't fix a problem like a broken window right now, I'm going to clean the kitchen and make sure the countertops are wiped down and sweep the floor and move the laundry to the dryer and be like, okay, so we have clean clothes. We have a clean kitchen. We, we know what's going to be for dinner tonight. Um, you know, the pantry's organized. It's all these things that I have control over that are really important to be done. Because if you start to ignore your problem and those things start to stack up, it just adds to the overwhelm feeling, the chaos feeling. Do you remember this line from early in our relationship? Maybe we were married, maybe not. Uh, we came up with this, this concept of we're too lazy to not clean. Yes. This was slightly inspired by the hoarding situation. Yeah, we went through earlier. that was at the time we had gone and tried to clean that place together. And I was also reflecting on my own personal lifestyle of uh, drinking too much and partying too much and cleanup days were like a day. Yeah. It was like, we it had to like clean for project. like, for like a day and it was nasty because there'd be spilled beer in corners and yeah. you know, bleh, you know, um, but we like came up with this concept between the two of us of like, we're too lazy to not clean every day. I forgot about that. But yes, we're too lazy to not do the dishes as soon as we're done eating because yeah. a sink full of dishes, I'm too lazy to I, do a sink full of once dishes. That, and gosh, this is, this embodies everything we're talking about yeah. because then we get stuck and then we start saying, we want to just go out to eat. Yeah. And then the dishes stay. And then all of a sudden the dishes become a mold problem or an insect problem or, you know what I mean? Then yeah. the problem starts stacking. Not that we experienced a whole lot of that. Not, but, not but together. We could, but we, because of that hoarding situation I was talking about earlier, we were like, we can see, I can, it's that. like, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not just totally critical of that person. I can see how you get there mm -hmm. and how your brain gets stuck. And the farther you are into that, the harder it would be to get out of it. But I also can see that anybody can change the difficult situation they're in by just doing something, just do something. And, you know, as I'm thinking about, it, we applied that to a few things. Uh, Too we lazy start, to, we, yeah. we, Cause I kept losing my keys. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I started saying, I'm too lazy to not hang my keys up in the same place every time I walk in the door. Yeah. And it took me like saying it like that to like actually use a hook that I, I installed the hook and I didn't use it. Yeah. Cause I just had like this like 
Walk in, toss like, them down walk somewhere. In, you know, like change my pants. And they're in your pants. And they're or... in my pants. And then I go to wash those pants and I set them on a nightstand. Yeah. And then I go to put my lasagna on the nightstand that I'm going to eat in bed. <laughs> And I move them into the drawer. <laughs> Did you have your lasagna? You have poncho. My, my lasagna to, poncho to cover the bed so you um, don't get spills. And uh, but you know, I go to do something on that nightstand, and I move them into the drawer, and then I and it's my weekend, so I don't drive for two days. Yeah, and then all of a in, sudden, we living you in town at the don't time. know where your keys are, and, and then all of really a sudden, annoying. it's like shit. I got to get to work, and I can't find my fucking keys. So we applied that. I'm to, too lazy to look for my lost keys, so yeah, I so my I keys. have to not be lazy and do something and it's funny i still use it i just mentioned maybe on a podcast or some video i was okay i'm too lazy a lot of the time to feed my sourdough starter because i don't want to get my flour out of the pantry uh-huh and i and that's so funny is because i have a sourdough starter and i bake her all our own bread it's not a la- i'm not lazy right like but it's the the way i can look at it is like i'm too lazy to get that flour out when i'm tired so i keep a smaller jar of flour handy where I keep my mason jars like in the in the kitchen not in the pantry so that I don't have to go and and move things to get the flour out of the pantry mm-hmm. and then um, it's just like one step that's made it just slightly easier for me to make sure I complete the task that um you know sometimes can feel like too much even though it's not too much it's totally doable it's it's fine but it's like this mental block of it's too much work to go get flour out of the pantry but if the flour is right here then I'll it's uh, then I'll feed my sourdough starter before I go to bed and so you do that thing and it's like i don't know i'm not lazy i know i'm no i'm not no but i think it, i think that's why that came into our lexicon was like was because we're not lazy it's like a joke we don't see each other as lazy we're yeah. and we're and we don't see ourselves as lazy but we but due to the situation that was described earlier um you know we 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 realize that like everyone is kind of lazy, including ourselves. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if you let it let stack it affect up your life and yeah. let you get stuck. Well, and then all of a sudden that lazy person lives a really difficult life because mm-hmm. how hard it is to step over the soft spots on the floor to get to the yeah. bathroom that is like barely you're barely you have to stand on a towel to be in the bathroom uh-huh. you know to be able to try to take a shower in that environment like get ready everything they do is harder than it is for somebody who doesn't have that situation you know it's something we were super well aware of we don't think about it much anymore because they're adults but there was like a child that's living there who was adamantly a germaphobe. Yeah, people saying that they're scared of germs and scared of insects and stuff, but you and live you in a place to a home where I'm not, I'm absolutely positively not a germaphobe. Never have been in my entire life. I've never, ever, ever would consider myself that. But you walk into that house and you're like, oh my God, I'm afraid of germs. I need to be where <laughs> I want to be wearing like long pants and long sleeves I, and maybe a hat. I didn't do it. But I would understand someone wearing a COVID mask pre-COVID. Yeah. In, uh, and like a, like a painter suit or whatever. You know what I mean? Like a. I feel like if I was, I would not put a repairman, if a repairman needed to go into there, them coming in and being like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't work in this environment unless I put on uh, like the full. The and full that's the suit. stacking problem. You can't get the thing you really need fixed because you need to clean your house to get, let somebody in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, the- and, and that happens all the time, I think with those types of people and not our specific case. Um, Cause they pull it together enough to get a repairman in there when needed, or more likely I'll go repair things. <laughs> um, but uh, they, um, it, 
you've seen it on that show, the hoarders show. Um, what was it called? The hoarders. I think it's just um, called hoarders. I'm pretty sure not it's called that. the hoarders. It's not, it's uh, where people are living with uh, electricity in one room in the house. Right. Because all their electric electrical shit's all fried and they just like keep turning off breakers. Yeah. And they, but they, they keep one working and they're in a weird room because that's the room where the electricity is so that they can watch TV in there. Yeah. Um, and it's all they have to do is fucking clean. All they have to do is clean. And then uh, and I say that in a stupid voice because it's not that simple. Right. And because you've seen the show, right? Sometimes they clean that house and you find it's condemned. It's so badly sure. damaged from having stuff sitting and moisture and roof leaks and all the things that they've been neglecting for all the years that it didn't make it better to clean the house. It made them so they didn't have a place to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is really, really challenging. And that's the part of it that always was scary to me when I was growing up is that one problem, uh, starting to fix one problem could, could cause another sure. or uncover another problem. Mm -hmm. And that's like what would be stressful to me about fixing my car or like anything my dad did always have was another problem because the way my dad worked was just to kind of tear into something literally and he would always break stuff when he was fixing something. Is there something wrong behind this wall here? Let me grab this hammer that's within reaching distance. Oh, do you remember just... when he like just drilled a hole through our wall to like, I told you, don't ask him if we could get cable into the house. And you just asked him and he just started ripping shit. And then all of a sudden we had a hole from our, from our bedroom out, outside. You, I don't remember. You that. fixed that the it. Little, little it was the house. little house. Yeah. And, and then, it. yeah, wow. you fixed it. But then there's other times like I need a fan in my, my kitchen and one of the rentals that I had with him, my, I need a fan in here. It's like, this isn't, this house wasn't designed as story. a kitchen. It was, uh, it was a chicken coop that had been like boxed in to look like a house. He made a section of it, a kitchen. Um, I need a fan in here. Cause it gets so steamy. Cause the windows are so bad. Right heat and we have such bad heat like when you heat the kitchen it like makes it so you can't see out any of the windows there's like you can almost not see i made a turkey in there once for thanksgiving and it was like it was foggy in there like you couldn't see the other people in the room unless you were all sitting down below the fog there's just no yeah. no place and this was after escape. he fixed it the fan so what does he do is he gets one of those those saws that are just like a big disc that will just take a hole out of something okay and he just freaking cuts a hole into the wall you know, he, my, my brand of that is called he's what whole dozer a whole dozer nice he he goes okay i'll get you a fan and then he leaves and i'm like going to bed that night with this like hole like big enough for an owl to fly through he used a whole dozer <laughs> it was like the size of a plate <laughs> it was like a dinner plate size yeah, yeah. and eventually i think we he just got like this one of those plastic grates like you would have um like we have on the ceiling fan um in our bathroom in a shower mm -hmm. it's like a plastic grate and he put it over there there was never a fan was that was put into it or yeah, anything yeah, yeah. this was just this vent sorry i shouldn't laugh it and so i actually would put i would put a paper plate over it in the winter time and like tape it up there so that it wouldn't just let a full breeze through mm -hmm. and you know you just open the windows that didn't have screens when uh when you needed air <laughs> to get through. Um, and it's, it sucked, you know? And I remember that house too. I wasn't doing great things. I was drinking a lot. The house wasn't like a d dump by any means, but it was falling apart in all these different aspects. So when my heater broke, it wasn't worth it to me 
to like ask for the heater to be fixed Mm -hmm. because the heater needed fixed and that fan needed finished and the bathroom floor was soggy and falling through in one part. You know what I mean? There's all these other things. It's kind of like why polish a turd at that point. Yeah. And so I didn't get my heater fixed. I lived without heat and I had, I had a space heater in my bedroom. That was that. Yeah. And so it's just like, how do you live? Well, so, okay. So, okay. well, we've talked shit about my family. We've talked shit about your family. We've talked shit about ourselves. We've talked shit about hypotheticals that have never existed we've anywhere. Shit about uh, Christians that are obsessed with large hair and skinny bodies. Yep, we've, we've <laughs> talked a lot of shit. But let's let's talk like solutionary. Yes, here, please, because we need to wrap up. Which um, I don't know that this will actually be solutionary, but it's just. Um, uh, let's be inspiring. Okay, let's inspire because uh, that's what we always set out to do. Well, this is, I don't care if I'm inspiring anybody else. I'd love to inspire other people, but the way I stay inspired between us with this is like that lazy, we're too lazy to X, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're using that in a positive sense. I know it yeah. might sound negative, but we're, we're weirdos and we know like, it's we a like sarcastic kind of a joke. Like it's a fun way to, to remind ourselves that we, we aren't lazy. We're doing great things, but how can we better ourselves? It's just don't let yourself get stuck. Don't be pacified and move forward. And I know that's maybe like telling an insomniac to just close your eyes and go to sleep. Just close your eyes and then you'll fall asleep. But (laughs) it's, I feel like it's hundred percent true. You know, you, if you feel stuck, if I'm feeling stuck, what I want myself to do is to go and touch the thing that I'm stuck about. Mm -hmm. Let's say that I really was stuck on that tree and that it didn't come out. The one that we talked about at the top of this subject. Um, If I just keep looking at that and looking at the path to back to the house and being like, fuck, I can't do it. Well, what I need to do is I do need to start that chainsaw and I need to cut all those branches off. Yeah. Just do one step that you can do. And then then that will clear up enough space on the thing that I can put a tape measure on it and I can measure the actual length of it. Then you can decide how big do I want my bed? Start cutting it up the, out there. I mean, there's so many different ways to get a job done. If you just start to do what you can just do touch, in that moment, touch it, just touch T- it, like connect yourself to it. Don't ignore it. Don't go on your phone. Don't I ignore everything. Do, let's you know take it to the hoarder example. I need to make food, but there's no dishes. Yeah. Um, go touch your dishes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the most disgusting thing in the world to do that first dish. That's super disgusting, Mm -hmm. but then you have an inch more space and that makes doing the next disgusting dish go a little bit quicker. By the third one, you got a couple inches of space and suddenly you're not as grossed out because you've just touched the nastiest shit in the world. Right. Um, And then the sink starts clogging up because they're all the crap that's going down to the bottom. Well, now you have enough room that you can see this, that you're just, just take all your plates and take them outside to the hose. You're touching it. So you, you start to see new solutions. The hose never entered your mind, but now it's there because you're touching them, but it never would have gotten to that. If you def- never if touched you just the would dishes, be if you just TV. look at them and go, that's too much. I'm going to Arby's again yeah. today. Yeah. Oh, we should go to Arby's. 
again today? Cheese <laughs> again today. It's so early in the morning. We've already been there. It's like, yeah, we were just in the parking lot buying crack. It's, <laughs> they're, not, they're not open yet. Who um, buys food at Arby's? <laughs> it's only for drug deals. So anyway, um, yes, I think that the positive side of this is that there's always something you can do, even when it seems like there's a lot of things that are problems, even when it seems like there's um, you're polishing a turd. Um, getting your kitchen cleaned and your counters cleaned, even if you have rot under your sink because there was a leak there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You fix the leak, you clean the kitchen. And then when the opportunity is right, you fix that rot, you know, but you don't stop keeping your kitchen clean because there's rot under the, it just compounds itself. It makes everything harder to do. And it makes, you know, really you need to be present in a place to, to not let it rot. You need to Mm -hmm. keep it warm. You need to keep using it. You need to keep it not having stuff stacked on top of it, especially here in the Northwest where we are, it's wet. Yeah. Um, so just to be present in that way and to keep taking care of your stuff and keep walking in the spaces in the woods so that all the plants don't grow back over that tree, then just being there is is making it so it doesn't get worse. That's uh, that's like 90% of keeping this place in decent shape is being here. Just being here, just to be present. And that's what we kept saying when we first moved in. Just being present here, just walking behind the barn makes it a different place. And again, I'm not talking shit about the people, the renters that were here before us, but like those pictures you know, they didn't go in the yard. No, they didn't they walk didn't, through the woods. There they wasn't didn't paths fully use the, the driveway. So the driveway was well, becoming run down. Overgrown in a part. Yeah. You know, like um, it's, it, but if they, if they had just fully driven, driven there's, around like a, the, there's like a little roundabout, right? If you go around the roundabout, the roundabout every It's like they just pull in front of the front door and then back up and then pull out. Yeah. I mean, if you go around the roundabout every time, then you're driving over that and yeah. you're, and you wouldn't need to back up ever again, helping you, know, you use like, the space. I don't know, so whatever. yeah, don't stop using that room. That's become a problem. Yeah. It's, it's like figure out how to and empty it, clean it the out. Hoarder, the hoarder version. If, yeah. if you have not been in a room in five years, that room is likely to be condemned. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that house is, if you, if you've only been in 12 steps of your house, you need to be in a 12 step program. <laughs> no, you've only been in a few, like a little pathway to one spot, then your house is being condemned, Yeah, you know, or you're slowly allowing your house to get to a point where it would be considered condemned yeah. or unlivable or whatever. But if you, even though you're hoarding too much stuff, go into every room every day and touch everything that you have. If you touched everything you owned as a hoarder every day, it would you, wouldn't be clean. Be a, you wouldn't be a hoarder. No, because all of the stuff would get dusted off and moved around. And like, there, it would, it it's would just like not enough time for like mice to make a nest or like bugs to like hatch yeah. without you knowing, you know what I mean? And even if that's all fucking garbage. Yeah. If you're just touching your garbage every day, I don't know. Maybe I know. Maybe just put example. it in a bag and throw it outside. Yeah. You're not going to touch your garbage every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think this. I, I thought I had a good example. Has just there. devolved. The ending isn't strong, but I think we had a good couple of good. No, points I think there. this ending is perfectly strong. Of that, like this is solutionary. It is like just be present and touch your stuff. Uh, touch your touch yourself. Uh, <laughs> Stop rubbing your hands and talking about touching I'm yourself. Sorry, I just got that's dirty. loud sometimes because your hands are like sandpaper. Dirt all over my pants. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's because you're touching your stuff all the time <laughs> outside. Uh, be present with your existence whether that's indoors or outdoors whether that's i mean same with a car think of a car that you don't oh, drive anymore. yes how quickly does that it. car how quickly does that car become a 
Total. Total. Like really quickly, like surprisingly Especially quick. again here in the Northwest yeah. where it's wet. You know, yeah. You might mossy. not, you don't open the doors and get airflow and you all of a sudden open the door and your whole place looks like a white carpet. Suddenly you realize that the cars turn green on the outside with moss and on the inside, you can't even breathe because there's so much mildew. Uh, and that, ha- that could happen in a year. Yeah. Less than a year, even if over a win- the fall and winter. So that, yeah, go open your car, start it to make sure there's not piles don't of garbage. Don't even drive it. If you just get in there and just start, start it. it, just start it once in a while, a move fun. it to That's a new spot fun. in the yard or whatever. Don't leave it out by the trees where the branch is going to fall on. That it didn't totally, happen. That totally that happened. happened. <laughs> so we were like, we should move the car. But yeah, we weren't yeah. letting it sit too long in one place or another. In fact, it was there. It was like because, four months. But yeah, that, that is too long. But you started it a bunch of times and had moved it a few times. But that's why it was oh, where yeah. it was, was because like I was like, yeah, I'll put it over here. But then I let it go a little too long and it was too close. It was stormy to, season. To, yeah. And, yeah. We, and we had a windstorm and it yeah. fucked it up. Yeah. But. Bye bye um, Buick. But yeah, anyway, I don't know. I think that p- hopefully people can take something away from this. And really, if you want to join the conversation, I'd love to hear any of comments on this topic because it is, it's really hard uh, to, it's really easy, I should say, to have things stack up on you to where then it feels like you can't do anything. And all you do is go to work and come home and, you know, keep the lights on. And that's, that sucks. Yeah. So how do we make sure we stay ahead of things so we don't get to that point where it's so hard to dig ourselves out? Um, I think just doing like basic maintenance every single day, trying to continue um, and trying to pick the things up that are really hard and do those first. Yeah. The things that something, and it does, it's different for every person, whatever mental block you have from whatever experience you had when you don't even remember from when you were a kid. It's like, we got a hole in one of our windows the other day from a rock hitting it from the a lawnmower yesterday, like 12 hours ago. Yes. And it totally triggered this memory of like somebody had shot a BB through our front window at my house when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, Oh, it's no problem. It was a single pane window. So it was like, it whistled, the wind came through it. And my dad just didn't fix it. It was a big window. It was going to be a lot of work or a lot of money. We didn't have money. And it really bothered my mom. And it went on for a long time. And it was like this source of like anxiety between the parents and like, uh, it would everybody's tension would be, you know, tense when they would talk about it. Um, or when someone would ask about it and just letting those things go, even if it's a little thing, that's not going to cost a lot of money, letting those things go for a long time and start having that start fights between people and whatever else is just like, nothing good's not healthy. So tackle the difficult things first and get them over with and you'll feel good afterwards. Sounds beautiful. Okay. That's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. This was the world as it is today. It was yesterday. (laughs) 